0: Hello and welcome back to the Killer Kind Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Miller, as always. Happy October, everyone. It's only recently started feeling like a little bit of fall around here. (laughs) Hopefully it is where you are, but if not, then I hope to bring the spooky mood today because this is going to be our first Killer October episode of the season, which I'm super excited about. If you're new here, you may not know that each October I share some of these scariest stories I know. And this October might just hold the scariest stories yet. Especially today's episode. It's a story unlike any other I've told here on the podcast. But one that has honestly freaked me out since it took place. And I'm afraid you'll be left feeling the same way by the end of it. So I apologize in advance. Today we're talking about three middle school girls who are best friends. Everything started to change when one day two of the girls became obsessed with a fictional internet character called the Slenderman. But when the two claim they start communicating with the mythical creature, things take a very dark turn. So, without further ado, let's get into the Peyton Lightner and the Slenderman case. Today, we're going to be talking about three 12-year-old girls from Waukesha, Wisconsin, We'll start with Peyton Leitner, or Bella, as her friends called her. I'll be calling her Peyton throughout the episode because that's what she was referred to most throughout the media and by her parents and everyone. Peyton Leitner was born in 2002 and raised in Wisconsin. She lived a relatively normal life. Peyton was a sweet, brunette little girl who always tried to find the good in everyone. In fourth grade, she met this girl named Morgan Geyser. Peyton said she noticed Morgan didn't have any friends and she didn't want her to be alone, so she knew she wanted to be friends with her. So she started talking to her, and the two hit it off and became very close. Morgan Geyser was known to be a quirky girl who was artistic and pretty clever for her age. She also loved telling jokes and just being silly. She was also known to have a wild imagination, but that she made life fun. Her mother Angie said even from an early age, she didn't care what people thought about her, which is something she loved about her daughter. Peyton and Morgan discovered they had common interest in fantasy, video games, and science fiction, and they became inseparable. It wasn't until sixth grade when a a third young girl joined the group. Morgan met a little girl by the name of Anissa Wire, and the two became instant friends, just like she and Peyton did. Morgan and Anissa lived in the same apartment complex, and they also rode the same bus to school together. Anissa's mom, Christy, said she was so happy that her daughter had found a new friend. Because growing up, she didn't really have any friends. She didn't get invited to a lot of birthday parties, and she was bullied at school, and things were just really hard for her. So she was happy to see her daughter finding a close friend like Morgan. Now, Peyton didn't really care for Anissa. She only really hung out with her because Morgan seemed to love her. Peyton said that Anissa was always kind of cruel to her, and she felt like Anissa was jealous of her friendship with Morgan. It was like she wanted her all to herself. Needless to say, it didn't take long for Peyton to start feeling left out. Morgan and Anissa started bonding over some creepy stories online, to say the least, Anissa introduced Morgan to what she referred to as the Pasta Wiki, which is an online form of creepy, usually fictional stories told by people on the internet. One story in particular fascinated both girls. Stories about a man without a face. He was known to kidnap kids from all over the world, and he would kill them. Anissa, and more specifically Morgan, became obsessed with the story. Her mother, Angie, said she wasn't thrilled about Morgan's new fascination, but she didn't see the harm in it. Angie said when she was Morgan's age, she could remember biking home from school with Stephen King's It, so her daughter's interest in scary stories wasn't alarming to her at all. So while Anissa and Morgan were bonding over this new creepy man from the internet, Peyton wasn't having it. She wasn't interested, and frankly, it scared her. Peyton told her mom about it, and she said her two friends were making it sound like this guy was real. But Peyton's mom reassured her that it's likely just a ghost story or some modern-day boogeyman story, and that was it was made up from the internet. No need to worry. So Peyton goes back to the girls and said, Hey, my mom said this thing isn't real. Can y'all please stop talking about it? But Morgan didn't stop. And frankly, she was probably just being mean, knowing that it scared Peyton. So she continued to talk about it. And like I said, Peyton started feeling more and more left out by the girls. Because Morgan and Anissa kept researching these scary stories, and they both became obsessed with it. And just honestly talking about it nonstop. And most of all, they're believing that these stories are 100% real. They don't believe that they're made up at all. On Friday, May 30th, 2014, the girls plan to celebrate Morgan's 12th birthday. Morgan, Anissa, and Peyton go over to the local skating rink called Skateland, which, side note, is the same name of this skating rink I used to go to as a kid. So I can just, I picture it like it's there, that these three girls are there, just skating around, having a blast. Those were the good days, am I right? <laughs> but anyways, they loved it. And Peyton herself was really good at skating. She loved to skate and she was good at it. So she said that she spent the night kind of doing what she does, just kind of doing everything on her own. After spending time at the skating rink, the girls went and got frozen yogurt and then went back to Morgan's house. Peyton's mom, Stacey Lightner, said that her daughter brought her American Girl doll with her. So it seemed like a normal slumber party. She assumed the girls would play with some dolls and spend some time on their internet, something like that. Morgan's mom said the girls ran up to Morgan's room when they got home, and she remembered hearing them running around, going up and down stairs, just giggling and having a great night. Eventually, though, the girls did go to bed. The following morning on Saturday, Peyton wakes up and sees that Morgan and Anissa aren't in their beds she goes downstairs and sees the two girls sitting at the computer. She asks what they're doing and they pretty much ignore her, but they eventually get off the computer and all three girls gather around the breakfast table and have some donuts and strawberries. Then they decide to play some games at the house. And then as some time passed, Morgan asked if they could go to the park. She thought it'd be fun to get out of the house and go play in the park together. The other two girls were very excited about this. So Morgan asked her mom if they could go, and they could. Normally, her mom makes an adult go with them, but since it was her 12th birthday and the park was super close, she figured it'd be fine for the three girls to go by themselves. So the three girls are walking to the park, and Anissa says that they should go play hide-and-seek. The other two agreed and said that was a great idea, so let's do it. Morgan said she'd be the one to count, so Peyton and Anissa would be the ones to hide first. So Morgan starts counting. Then Anissa goes up to Peyton and says, hey, you know, you should lie down on the ground and cover yourself with sticks and leaves and blend in with the ground, and that could be a great hiding spot. Peyton was like, yeah, of course, great idea, so let me do that. She lays down and she starts covering herself with leaves and sticks. Then all of a sudden, Morgan pops up out of nowhere, surprising Peyton, but Peyton looks closer and she notices something chilling. She sees that Morgan is holding a kitchen knife. Peyton likely didn't have much time to process what was really happening here, but as soon as she spotted Morgan with the knife, Morgan jumped on top of her supposed best friend and starts stabbing her. Not just once or twice, but she ended up stabbing her 19 times. At the time, Anissa was standing there next to Morgan, watching it happen. Some reports claim that Anissa was holding Peyton down while she was being stabbed by Morgan, but either way, she was purposely letting this happen. and honestly seemed to encourage it, and we'll get into that later. Once Morgan stopped, the two took off, leaving Peyton to die in the woods. Now, what's crazy was that Peyton wasn't dead. She was able to come to, and she gets up using trees to kind of help hold herself up, and she stumbles her way, trying to find a way out of the woods. And luckily, she does. She makes it to Big Bend Road. She sees a man on his bicycle, and she's able to flag him down. Greg Steinberg was the man that said he saw this little girl crawling out of the woods that Saturday. Normally, he takes a different route, but for whatever reason, on this day, he decided to take this route in particular, and thankfully, he did. Greg said he came across this young girl who appeared to have been stabbed. He said he quickly got out his cell phone and his hands were shaking, calling 911. He told the operator that he found a little girl with blood all over her, and it looked like she had been stabbed. Greg said he offered the young girl water and told her that help was on the way. He said she told him that she was having trouble breathing. When Officer Dan Klein with the City of Waukesha Police Department got the call, he heard that a 12-year-old girl, again, had been stabbed at the end of Big Bend Road. Detective Tom Casey, who would end up working the case, said when he first got the call, his initial thoughts were, that's not really what this is. You know, maybe this young girl probably scratched herself or fell off her bike, something like that. He thought there was no way a 12-year-old girl got stabbed, but he could not have been more wrong. When Officer Klein got got to the scene, he could see Peyton lying down in the grass. He said she wasn't moving very much, and he asked her if she was okay, and she said no. He said the closer and closer he got to the girl, the more and more blood that he saw on her. The officer asked, who did this to you and she said my friend morgan the officer asked where this happened and she said in the woods it seemed like they were probably trying to keep her talking to keep her mind off the pain and to make sure that you know she stayed alive you know stayed with him but at the same time the officer was trying to figure out what is happening here he asked her if she knew what she had been hurt with and she said a knife they asked her how long the knife was and she held up her hands kind of showing the length of the knife. And he said it ended up being the length of the blade, not including the handle, which was about four to five inches long. The officer said that when the EMS got there, Peyton was starting to fade in and out of consciousness. So they knew they were running out of time and had to hurry. When she arrived at the hospital, they planned to do emergency surgery. And as the doctor was looking at her injuries, he was surprised she was even able to move after sustaining such significant stab wounds, let alone stumble her way out of the woods for help. He noticed that she had some pretty deep wounds on her arms and legs, but the biggest issue was that there were two stab wounds in her torso that hit two major organs, causing significant damage to her liver and stomach. Then there was one major puncture wound that went straight towards her heart. Peyton would later find out that If the stab wound would have been just one millimeter deeper, the width of a human hair deeper, she would have died in a matter of a minute or two. Detective Michelle Trusoni meets Peyton and the paramedics at the Pro-Help Waukesha Memorial Hospital. The detective knew she needed to speak to Peyton as soon as possible, just in case she did pass away. Just like she told Officer Klein, Peyton confirms that her friend Morgan— stabbed her while they were in the woods and she was able to confirm that her other friend Anissa was there as well. So after speaking with Peyton at the hospital, Detective Trusoni leaves the officer leaves with Officer Klein and the two head straight to Peyton's house to tell her family what has happened. When they arrived at the Lightner home, Peyton's mother, Stacy was there with Peyton's brother and Stacy said she knew something bad had happened to someone she loved because that's the only reason a detective and a uniformed police officer would come to your house on a Saturday morning. But she had no idea what was about to be said. She said they asked her if Peyton was home, and she told them no. They asked if she was at a sleepover the night before, and she said yes, she was. She was very confused. Then they told her that her daughter was alive, but that she had been stabbed multiple times. Stacy said she was just, again, very confused, not knowing the severity of her daughter's injuries. She asked if the injuries were superficial. The detective told her, we don't really know, but we need you to come to the hospital now. Luckily, Stacy made it to the hospital before her daughter went back for surgery. She went into the trauma room and saw her 12-year-old little girl lying on a table, getting ready for emergency surgery. She said Peyton looked white as a ghost and she looked terrified. But as she's standing there, Stacy remembers hearing the nurses counting her stab wounds. She said, one nurse said, okay, that's seven on her leg. She heard another nurse say, I've got five on her arm. And the same nurse said, I count 19. And the other nurse replies back, I've got 19 too. And the whole time Stacy's mind is racing because she doesn't understand how it's even possible that her little baby girl has 19 stab wounds. Like what is going on? So, Peyton goes into surgery. In the meantime, detectives are trying to track down Morgan Geyser and Anissa Wire. Detective Tom Casey said they go to Morgan's house first, and her mother Angie answers the door. The detective asked where her daughter was, and she told him that she was at the nearby park with two of her friends. They searched the house, and Angie was trying to find out what happened, but all they would tell her was that there had been an incident at the park, and one of the girls were hurt. Now, at this point, there was a police presence at the park and eventually the neighborhood in the surrounding area would be on lockdown. Now, when detectives arrive at Anissa's house, it's just her dad and he tells them that she too was at a sleepover the night before and she hadn't made it home yet. Their home gets searched as well and there's no sign of Anissa. Now everyone is panicked. You have one parent, whose daughter is in emergency surgery after being stabbed. Then you have two parents whose daughters are missing. Detective Trusoni said, we were all thinking, were these girls injured? Like these other two girls, were they injured? Were they okay? And what's the meaning of all this? Did this really happen? This turned into a massive manhunt for the two young girls. There were lots of people on the ground looking for the two, and then there were helicopters overhead as well. They had canine officers out, and everyone was just frantic. Detective Casey said they had even reached out to the media, giving them all the information they had up until that point, trying to locate the girls. At some point, Anisa's mom, Christy, calls Detective Casey and tells him that she had actually found her daughter's cell phone, and what she saw was haunting. On Wednesday, May 28th, Anisa made a note in her phone that said, This is my final wish to those who care. Do not grieve my absence, but remember me for who I was. I love and cherish you all and wouldn't do you harm. Chrissy said that after finding that note on her daughter's phone, her mind changed from maybe she had been abducted to she was definitely running away. Luckily, just a few hours later, At 2.53 p.m., Detective Casey gets a message saying that the sheriff's department had found the two missing girls. They had been sitting on the side of I-94. By the time they found the girls, they had walked five miles and made it to the north end of their city. This was five hours total after the crime took place. When Morgan and Anissa were found, they both appeared to have bloodstains on their clothing, and they were described as looking dirty. When the officer that stopped the girls asked if they were okay, he said they both seemed very calm. And since the officer that found them knew the situation with Peyton already, he asked if they had anything on them, any weapons of any kind. And sure enough, Morgan pulls out a bloody knife from her pocket, which has to be a chilling sight for this poor officer. You have two 12-year-old girls who appear to be sweet and innocent but they're both covered in blood, and one of the girls pulls out a bloody knife. I mean, how crazy? I can't even imagine. Obviously, the girls were transported back to the Waukesha police station to ask some questions. The parents of both girls were called, and they were told to come down to the police station, but that the girls were going to be interviewed first. Now, I think it was a law in the state that I think like minors could be interviewed without their parents at the time. I don't know the exact law and what that's all about, but I know most places you can't do that. So I don't know, but everything was done legally here. So just keep that in mind. Now, obviously the parents are relieved that their child's okay, but now they have this fear of what actually took place and what everyone wanted to know, like what really happened here and why. So they get both girls back to the station and they immediately separate the two into different interrogation rooms. And once again, both of the girls seem pretty calm. Detective Trussoni conducted the interview with Anissa and Detective Casey conducted the interview with Morgan. Trusoni said that Anissa seemed a little scared. She was trembling and teared up a couple times. Morgan, however, acted like this was just another day for her. Like there's footage of her, of, excuse me, there's footage of each of their interviews. And before anyone walks in to talk to Morgan, she can be heard singing to herself and, At one point, she stands up and is spinning around the room, almost dancing. I mean, this girl didn't seem to have a care in the world. It is, I don't know how else to describe it. I mean, it's chilling. It gives me chills to look at it. It's like, you just murdered someone or you just tried to murder someone. You think that you did. Like, how are you okay right now? We'll get into that. (laughs) And guys, I wish I could play each of the girls' interview tapes in their entirety to you, but that would make this episode super, super long. So I will leave a link as always. I'll leave links below, or not below, (laughs) in the show notes. I'll leave a link so you can kind of check that out, at least to kind of watch for a second to see their, both of their demeanors throughout the interview, because I think that's very important. Before the sit-down interview, though, started with Morgan, she asked the detective if he knew what happened to Bella. Now, if you remember at the beginning, I, I mentioned that some of Peyton's friends call her Bella because there was apparently another Peyton in their class. So Morgan asked what happened to Bella. And the detective told her that he didn't know, but he knew she had been taken to the hospital. Morgan had been laying her head down on the back of a chair at that point or before she asked the question. And she said that, or when he said Peyton had been taken to the hospital, Her head popped up so fast, and she shook her head really quick like she was confused and shocked. Then she immediately said, what? Then she said, I was just wondering. Like, I promise you, just like that tone right there. I was just wondering. Creepy. This girl is scary in and of herself, let alone everything else we'll talk about. Now, this is where things start to get weird, as if they haven't already. Let's start with Anissa's interview. And what she had to say about everything. So Anissa is asked to start from the beginning. And she certainly starts from the beginning. She starts by talking about the internet page called the Pasta Wiki. And how there's this story about a faceless man who averages between 6 to 14 feet tall. He can apparently change his height depending on the situation. She said that he has like these tendrils, I think is what she called them, that he comes out of his back that he can like strangle kids with or like grab kids with, which is a terrifying sight. She said that he is a man that preys on children. She said she and Morgan started reading all about this guy called the Slender Man, or just Slender, as she often referred to him as. Now I'll get into who the Slender Man is for those that may not have heard the stories, but let's keep going with Anissa's interview for now. So she said that back in December or January, Morgan came to her and said that they should become the Slenderman's proxies. She explains that these are servants of Slender. If you Google Slenderman's proxies, which I don't recommend it, <laughs> it says the theory behind the name proxy is entities or people who are under the influence or control of the Slenderman. They act based on its wants and needs. It's suspected that proxies do the actual physical work for Slenderman such as creating and manipulating objects, destroying and leaving evidence, creating videos and responding on Twitter, and influencing victims as needed. Now, supposedly, if you become part of the Man's army, if you want to call it that, you get to live in his mansion, which is where the girls explained they were going after they killed Peyton. Supposedly, the mansion is located in the Wisconsin's Nicolette National Forest, and that's where they were headed. Now, before we go any further, you're really probably wondering who this Slender Man is, right? Well, let's take a break and talk about the Slender Man. Oh, should I travel through the woods? Or should I not wishing I would? me lurks within the trees. No one could hear my deadly screams. The palest man, the blackest suit, bigger than the tallest brute. Six black arms will grab you up, or stalk you till you just give up. He'll leave your body not to eat. But to staple your corpse upon a tree. Fear the man, the Slender Man, for he can do what no one can. The Slender Man is a fictional supernatural character that originated from a creepypasta internet member created by Eric Knudsen, a user on the Something Awful forum. The fictional entity was created on the forum in 2009 for a Photoshop paranormal image contest. Eric depicted the Slenderman as a thin, unnaturally tall humanoid with a featureless white head and face, wearing a black suit. But here's the kicker. It's not just a creepy image. The creator of the Slenderman built a whole story around him, claiming that the entity was known to stalk, abduct, or traumatize people, particularly children. In one of the two photographs he posted, it was a black and white photo. And this appeared to be a real photo with several teenagers walking towards the camera, it looked like. And behind them, you can tell there's a tall, faceless figure wearing a black suit. It's a little grainy, so it's hard to tell what this thing really looks like, but that's the point. It was made to look like something is there, maybe when it isn't. It's made to look like a real photo, too. Under that photo he posted to the forum, he added a quote that read, We didn't want to go. We didn't want to kill them. But its persistent silence and outstretched arms horrified and comforted us at the same time. The quote under a second photograph read, One of two recovered photographs from the Sterling City Library blaze, notable for being taken the day which 14 children vanished. And for what is referred to as the Slender Man. Deformities cited as film defects by officials. Fire at library occurred one week later. Actual photograph confiscated as evidence. And that's when the Slender Man took a life of its own, really. I mean, other posters expanded on the character, adding their own visual and textual contributions, according to Wikipedia. The Slender Man soon went viral. Spawning numerous works of fan art, cosplay, and online fiction known as creepy pasta, which, again, are horror stories just shared in short form. So people ran wild with this thing. And not only that, it spread around the world like wildfire and put fear in certain people who thought this thing was real. And if you didn't know where this entity originated, impressionable people like two 12-year-old, 12-year-old young girls may believe it's not fake. They may believe it. These stories spreading around about Slender Man certainly sounded real. He was described as tall and thin, but sometimes he was known to have the, the tentacles, like the tendrils coming out of his back. And according to Slenderman myths, the entity could cause amnesia, bouts of coughing, and paranoid behavior in individuals. And he was depicted hiding in forests, which is things of nightmares. And when I'm telling you, I was researching this case, there are like, Videos, people have made videos that look like home footage, like they'll be out in the woods, like, oh, we're just going to go check out this creepy abandoned building and then you'll see Slenderman at the other end. So Anissa and Morgan both eventually claim that they've seen Slenderman himself. So they truly believe this thing is real. It's not just of their nightmares. It is in their nightmares and dreams. They later mentioned that, but they fully believe it. Which is terrifying. Now, Anisa explained to the detective that in order to become a proxy, Morgan said they would have to kill Peyton. And at some point though, it's kind of weird. I don't know where this came into play. I didn't really catch it in the full interview, but some point the girls at some point the girls are saying that if they don't do it, if they don't kill Peyton, then the Slender Man will kill their families or something like that will hurt their family. So at some point it switches from like, oh, this would be cool to be a proxy to another point of like, we literally have to, it's necessary or else our family will be hurt. Okay. Again, I know it's madness, but just stay with me. It's, it gets worse. When the detective asked her why they would want to do this, why they would want to kill Bella or excuse me, Peyton, she said they wanted to prove that to everyone, that Slender Man was real because there are so many skeptics online. That's what Anisa said. She said they found out that this other creepypasta wiki character, Jeff the Killer, was actually a real guy. So after they found out, they thought maybe everybody on this site was real. Anissa went on to explain that initially she was going to be the one to stab Peyton. However, at some point, she told Morgan that she was too squeamish and couldn't do it. So Morgan said she would do it. She explained that when they got to the park, they played hide-and-seek to distract Peyton. And then she yelled out to Morgan and told her, Now. And not only did she say, like, hey, now's the time. Like, now. She said, go ballistic. Go crazy. And, quote, make sure she's down. I mean, mind-blowing, coming out of the mouth of a 12-year-old. She said, that's when Morgan jumped on top of her and started stabbing her. Anissa said she had turned around because she couldn't look again, because just because she was squeamish, not because of what was happening. Just because she didn't want to see blood, I'm sure. Now Morgan's interview is, like I said earlier, chilling and just honestly disturbing. Her attitude and her like her stone cold attitude is really hard to listen to and watch. She went through the same story as Anisa. And I won't go too much into her interview because she tells the same story as Anisa. However, there were some contradicting statements. A lot of it she was kind of like trying to push blame off of herself. Whereas Anissa was just telling the story, like straight up telling the story. I believed every bit of what she was saying because she was a hundred percent truthful, a little a little too truthful, in my opinion. But anyway, I'm glad she was. But, anyways, first thing that she said was that the the idea was Anisa's and not hers, which Anisa said, you know, this was Morgan's idea, not mine. Obviously, I think Anisa started the whole Slender Man thing, but I think Morgan became more and more obsessed with it. And so I do believe that it was Morgan's idea. Just saying. Then she said that Anisa might have stabbed Peyton first and then gave her the knife, not that she was the sole person to stab Morgan. Detective Casey said that everything she said that contradicted what Anissa said was more like, I think this happened, or I think, I think, maybe, like, everything was like, I'm not sure. But she was certainly pushing that blame off either way. Morgan and Anissa in both of their interviews claimed that the original plan was to kill Peyton the night of the sleepover. Morgan said Anissa was very prepared for it to happen that night. But Morgan claimed that she wanted to give Peyton one more morning. She claimed that she keep, she wanted to keep putting it off forever, but that it, quote, didn't seem to work out like that. Then again, we have contradic- contradicting statements. Once again, Anissa claimed she didn't really want to do it either and that Morgan is saying the same thing, that neither wanted to do it. However, Morgan is the one who grabbed the knife from her kitchen before leaving the house that morning. Anissa claims she didn't know Morgan planned to go through with it until they were walking to the park and she lifts up her jacket to reveal the handle of the kitchen knife sticking up out of her pocket. When asked what she thought in that exact moment, Anissa said, Dear God, this is really happening. Now, apparently, there was a moment at the park where Anissa had the plan of killing Peyton in the bathroom at the park. Morgan said it was hard to keep up with all of Anissa's plans because she became, she came up with several different plans. I will save you guys the gory details as to why the original plan was in the bathroom. Let's just say Anissa had done her research on the best ways to kill someone. But Anissa said Morgan started freaking out in the bathroom and Anissa had to hug her and calm her down. So that's when the plan changed and they ultimately decided to do it in the woods. So Morgan and Anissa both were charged with attempted first degree homicide because of the serious nature of the crime both girls were going to be charged as adults which is wild i mean they're 12 years old but i mean they made adult decisions and they were they clearly knew what they were doing I and mean, they had this thing planned for months and they came up with different ways to do it so clearly they knew what they were doing it that's not the question while in jail morgan was acting crazy to say the least she was known to talk to herself, claiming to see unicorns, claiming to see and talk to the Slender Man, which freaked everyone out, I'm sure. So Morgan was moved to a mental hospital for a couple months and placed under 24-hour observation to determine if she was competent to stand trial. They gave her a psychological evaluation where they concluded that she had early-onset schizophrenia and Because it was early onset, the judge actually determined that she was still capable of standing trial. One side note was that Morgan's dad, I think it came out during trial, that Morgan's dad was actually diagnosed with schizophrenia at the age of 14, so very close to Morgan's age, so it's clearly genetic. Both girls pleaded not guilty by reason of mental disease or defect in September 2016, Morgan was sentenced to the maximum of 40 years in a mental institution instead of going to prison. Her legal team has since been trying to get her released. As recently as May 2023, earlier this year, her legal team filed a petition for conditional release, according to TMJ4, a local news station in Milwaukee. However, it was withdrawn in August of this year. Anissa pleaded guilty to a lesser charge in 2017 of attempted second-degree homicide. In September 2017, a jury found her not guilty by mental disease, and she was soon committed to 25 years in the Winnebago Mental Health Institution in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. However, in July 2021, a judge ruled that Anissa no longer posed a substantial risk to herself or others and was granted her conditional release that her legal team had petitioned for. After this, she was released but was required to wear an around-the-clock GPS monitoring device and remain under supervision of case managers until she turned 37. But once again, Anissa was, left, was let off the hook. I mean, she's got a good legal team, that's all I'm saying. On September 12, 2023, a judge removed the GPS stipulation That means that Anissa is now just as free as me and you listening to this podcast right now, which is a little scary, but she did write a letter claiming to be, you know, very sorry, like she's learned her lesson, you know, a very apologetic letter in understanding this, the severity of the situation and that she understands that it was all just fictional and she would never do it again. You know, that that old thing. As for our victim in this case, she is alive and well. Peyton Leitner is living in Tampa Bay, Florida. She obviously has to live with physical and emotional scars from that day. Peyton has since graduated high school and has said she wants to pursue a career in the medical field. The last bit of information I could find on Peyton was that she was a sophomore in college and pursuing her dreams. She said that as horrifying as the ordeal was, she has found at least one positive. Quote, the experience gave me a clear plan for my life. I wouldn't think that someone who went through what I did would ever say that, but that's truly how I feel. Without the whole situation, I wouldn't be who I am. Wow. And that is the end of our case today. What are your thoughts? I mean, terrifying, am I right? Two seemingly innocent 12-year-old girls for six months essentially to kill their best friend and they actually tried to stab her to death I'm just mind blown but luckily by the grace of God Peyton survived as always I want to know your thoughts on today's episode so be sure to head over to the podcast Instagram or Facebook page to leave your thoughts there And guys, I wanted to share a new segment um, at the end of these episodes. I love kind of interacting with you guys. And I want to kind of give you guys an opportunity more often to interact. So I shared something to the Facebook page and the Instagram story. Now, I apologize to those that commented under the Instagram story. I'm an idiot. (laughs) And I did not save your responses. I don't know why I thought I was going to be able to go back and look at them. I could not. So I apologize. If you have them, I'm probably going to do this again next week. So please go back and comment or excuse me, DM me or reply back to the story and I will actually screenshot it and save it next time. Please forgive me. So I only have just a couple to share with you guys today. But last week I asked if anybody wanted to share some of their biggest fears. And I had a couple of responses. I know I had several more on my Instagram page and I'm so sorry. Um, one is from our listener Chris he said mine is something crawling on me in the dark and I can't see what it is yeah tell me about it that oh like chills that is my biggest fear like something I don't know what it is I've definitely I know we've all had that moment where it's like it might just be like the bed sheet that like moves and it rubs across your leg and you like freak out yeah I've been there done that so I get that Chris that's a good one another one is from um my husband i actually remember him sharing with it which he just made a joke one of our favorite movies is the replacements shout out if you know what that is i know my mom listens to this and she loves that movie it's because of her that i love that movie but one of the biggest one of the questions in that movie is you know like what is one thing you fear the most or what's your biggest fear and one of the guys says quicksand and he's talking you know somebody's like oh my god yeah like quicksand yikes like that sucks like that's so scary and that is scary But he's talking about like in the football game, which I can't quote it. So I'm not going to, I can quote most of the movie, but I can't remember exactly what he says there. So that's a good one. Quicksand or just like the feeling of like you're drowning and, and just, you know, kind of losing yourself, something like that. Then we have one from Christian. He said, failure. He said, I know that's not something I should fear, but it's there every day in my head. And I, and I commented back and I said, I don't want you to everything that, you know, you should feel like you should feel like you're a failure don't ever think that he also said I know that it seems like I'm weak but and that I shouldn't fear that but I told him look we all I think feel it like we all feel that and failure is a scary thing I think for all of us I mean hey I started this podcast three years ago I didn't plan on being successful with it but the fear of completely like crashing and burning and failing at this was a fear too because you know, I'm kind of putting myself out there, but but it's been fun and it's worked out. So I think as long as you continue to work hard, you're never going to fail. I mean, even if things don't work out like they are supposed to, that doesn't mean you fail about it. It just means it didn't work out the way you're supposed to and you just move on to the next thing and you move on to what you're supposed to be doing. So thank you to everyone that replied and commented. And again, I'm sorry for being a complete idiot and not saving the ones from Instagram. I will do this again next week and Be sure to comment um, your biggest fears there if you have any that you want to leave. And if you're somebody from the Instagram that left one there, please come back and and comment the same thing. And I'll be sure to shout you out next time. And I'll apologize again. (laughs) But that is going to do it for me here this week. Guys, I'll be back in two weeks with the next Killer October episode. Until then, stay safe and happy Halloween. Bye.